This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. So like I said, friends, we are continuing our called out series. And, um, and I want to ask you have, you, have you ever gone somewhere or perhaps gotten, you know, gone somewhere and gotten something more than what you were expecting? Maybe, maybe you've saved up some money for a particular thing you wanted to purchase and you just managed to get enough together and then when you arrived at the shop you were delighted to find that the item you were saving up with has been marked down and you're able to buy something extra you know there's a little bit of extra reality that you weren't expecting now i remember driving in a in a car once on our way uh, to a elders' time away, we were driving down to the coast, and we had all our kids with us, and I was driving in the car with my brother Mark, and, and uh, you know, part of going on a road trip is there's always some snacks, you know? My eldest, Abigail, she, she's telling us now for the last probably week about this road trip that she'd love to go on, and what kind of snacks she's gonna pack, and where we're gonna stop, so it's a big deal sometimes when we travel. And I remember tra- traveling in the car, and at one point, Mark, pulled out a, a packet of marshmallows with the kind of coconut ones, you know, not the pink and the, and the white ones, only these ones had the coconut on there. And so each of us grabbed a marshmallow and set it off to the back and some of the kids were with that. And next thing out of nowhere, we hear this scream, double blessing! <laughs> and I was like, what? what's great on this <laughs> And it happened to be Mark's youngest son, John Mark, who had now um, received the double blessing for some reason. I, and I was like, what's with the double blessing? <laughs> and it's like, no, wait, in their family, they had a, a custom that if you put your hand inside the marshmallow bag and you pull one out and another one came with it, <laughs> then you were allowed to have two. So that was your double blessing. <laughs> what's interesting to see is that you know, I think many times in our lives, and even in today's passage we get looking at, uh, there are moments when we get more than what we bargained for, or what we were expecting. And our passage today is found in uh, Mark chapter 2, and I'm going to read for us from verse 1, right down to verse 2, that it, uh, 12, it's on the screen, but you can follow along with me as well. And when he, when he learned, it returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching, this is Jesus speaking, preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they came, they could not get near him because of the crowd. They removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, were questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. 
he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Our friends, in this series we are looking at specific moments when people were amazed or astonished at some of the things Jesus said and some of the things Jesus did. And, and as I'm studying the, the Gospel of Mark, especially I'm encountered by this reality that Jesus said a bunch of things and also did a bunch of things that in many ways just confirm and affirm once again His sovereignty, His power and majesty and glory. And so we're going to look at a few different things. I'm going to just unpack a few things around the, the context. And then I'm going to trust that you and I will be able to catch on and see the double blessing that God has for you and I. So in the first uh, few verses, it says that when he returned to Capernaum, uh, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. Now the first thing we need to see is that Jesus actually made to put on his new base of operation. We see that he actually before in the beginning of this gospel we see uh, that, that Jesus was actually calling his disciples, uh, Peter or Simon at the time, Andrew, James and John, they were fishermen in this village and, and most likely this had become his base of operation, his home because we see later on that Jesus lived with Peter and and then did something that surprised people as well, that he healed Peter's mother-in-law. That for some people are like, why would you want to do that? But, <laughs> I don't know what your mother-in-law's like, Mike is amazing. I don't, I, I don't have any issues with mine. Um, and so, so it's interesting to see that Jesus had this place from which he was operating. And we see just a couple of key things. The first thing is that, that they gathered in, in Peter's house and we see that in the previous passage we looked at last week um, I think many shared with you just around the fact that Jesus found himself in the synagogue so if we look at Jesus' life and pattern he gathered with other believers in the synagogue which at that time was the church but he also then gathered in houses they had house to house temple courts that's what we see followers of Jesus do it. So well done to all of you that are here today gathered in, you know, God's presence amongst God's people in the temple, so to speak. But also, it's important for us to be a part of a gathering that happens from house to house. And I'm, I've been so encouraged by this reality that even in Jesus, because Jesus says that there was no room, not even at the door. And if I look at this room right now, there doesn't seem to be a lot of room left here, and, and even some of your light groups have heard uh, that some of you are gathering together, you're like looking around and saying, we don't have room even at the door. And I'm trusting that God will continue to add to your number, and that you and I will be eager and hungry and looking for opportunities to make room for more people to come in. And I, I just felt like, I just wanted to pause and pray Forcefully on your watch because it is a miraculous reality, and also you and I are obviously part of something really significant that God wants to say and do in and through our lives. But we need to be willing for the growth to happen, we need to be willing to make room for that. So, can I pray for Sidney Lord Jesus? I thank you for this church, this body of believers, 
Thank you for this map stand, Lord. Thank you for people that are willing to open their homes to those who would come in. And Lord, I pray even for, for this Sunday gathering, Lord Jesus. I pray for wisdom, insight, provision, Lord Jesus, that we would be able to make more room uh, for people to come and encounter you, Lord, to hear your word being proclaimed, and to, be, to encounter you more and more. The third thing we see from this first few, few verses is that Jesus was preaching the word. And this is a significant reality. I think in the church today, often we can gather around all sorts of realities. I mean, you know, people come to church because they can get a free cup of coffee. Or they can get some of their physical needs met. Or I need a club, I need some friends, so I'm going to get together with the church. But actually, when we are coming together, it's important for us to be willing and eagerly seeking to hear the proclamation of God's Word and that we gather around God's Word together. And I pray and I trust that as we come together, every single moment you and I have, in our life groups, in our families, my wife and I as a, as a family, we've been, every single morning we, we read a song together with our, with our kids. And can I be honest, sometimes it's a bit of a tedious thing. It's something that feels a bit like all, all over and distracted that we're running and okay, now we must get our verses sorted. But it is something that is worthwhile doing. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus and make followers of Jesus, which is what our theme is for this year, being called out to be followers of Jesus, fishes of men, we should be gathering around God's word. And I'm trusting that we will be even more effective in that. But the passage continues to show us, and, and it's almost like things begin to pick up. You know, I love the way that Mark kind of adds to the narrative. He, he, he pulls you in with a bit of suspense. He starts off with a few things and gives you a bit of context and then things begin to look more and more exciting. And it says, obviously, that they came bringing a crowd carried by four men. And when they came and got near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And they, uh, and when they had made an opening, they let him down in his bed where the crowd lay. Now, I want you and I to see the key role players that are at work here. It says, and they brought. They came. There is a collective reality that God wants you and I to embrace as followers of Him. God wants to use us together to be able to impact people's lives and to bring people to Jesus. It's an amazing thing to see that so many times, I think even as followers of Jesus, we, we want to almost be lone rangers. It's me and Jesus, and then I'm going to do it. The minute someone challenges you or invites you to come into join someone else, it's like, no, 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 I'm good, it's me and Jesus, we're fine, you know, and it's, we're, we're gonna, I'm good, I don't need anybody else, but actually we need one another, we need one another to encourage one another, we also need one another to sometimes correct one another, sometimes someone has something to say, uh, you know, I've been part of, part of the church for many years, and sometimes people say things to me, that I think, that's really hard, man. <laughs> What, what, what you, like, why are you getting up in my business here? You know? like, who gives you the rights? And no, because we are followers of Jesus, we submit ourselves and we are actually partnering together to be able to see God do a miracle. And this is where things begin to shift. These men brought this paralytic man with an expectation of what? To find healing. But they get something way more than that. They get a double blessing. And I want to ask you, who are you bringing 
Who is in your life at the moment that's paralyzed? Perhaps with sin or guilt or circumstances. And they feel like they cannot get to Jesus because of the obstacles that they face. But there are people like you and I who can come alongside, can carry someone in, say, okay, well, if you can't get through the door, we're going to get through the roof. I'm willing to be embarrassed. This is like, this is amazing. You and I can be on mission together to see God work in amazing ways. I mean, we can obviously go on the most big outreaches, or we can, you know, be part of a soup kitchen, or just host a light group, or reach out to our co-workers. If you're a mom at the, you know, school, I, I see this happens all the time, and moms drop off their kids at one of the primary schools close to Sydney and Castle. They always standing there in the parking lot chatting for hours on. The kids have already gone, but they they chatting. You know, who are you investing, and in? who are you inviting? To, uh, to come and know Jesus. And are you willing to, much like these men, willing to break through someone's roof? Now, I, I want you to see that obviously the houses at this time weren't like our houses. They, it wasn't like steel. They, they were actually, you know, many times on the roof, you, that's where they would dry their clothes. You'd have a little stairwell on the side of the, the building. And, and we see even examples of that with, with uh, Peter who's busy praying on the rooftop and then God appears to him with that sheet that comes down. And we see Paul is also on the rooftop praying before Ananias comes to him. This is how those houses, so in a sense it was access to the roof. And the roof was also made up obviously of brass and, and different things that they would be able to break open. But it's interesting to see that they were willing to Overcome the embarrassment. Can you imagine breaking through into a meeting, interrupting everything that's happening? You know, busy, Jesus is busy talking and dust starts falling. <laughs> and everybody's like, Jesus, I'm struggling to focus on this point you're giving because what's this happening? You know, we have, they were willing to be embarrassed even in order to bring their friend to Jesus. And this, this is where the real turning point happens because I believe Jesus obviously said he didn't come for the healthy, but he came for those who are sick, those who are far from God. And it says in verse 5 and 6, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, Jesus doesn't rebuke them for interrupting, you know, or say to them, yes, I can't believe, I mean, this is going to take a while to fix now. Jesus doesn't even look at what they did or why they came. The thing that catches Jesus is their faith. And I want to encourage us as believers, as followers of Jesus, that we would live by faith and know that that's, that is what gets God's attention. It's not necessarily our eloquence of words or our resources or the things that we have in our disposal, but it's actually our faith and obedience to what God has said. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, uh, 1 to 3 says, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that um, what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And I, I want you now to see that our faith is, is a substantial faith. It's not something that is or, or fickle. You, you know what fickle means. Sort of like flaky. 
But actually, you and I can see, obviously, through historic accounts, that this word is true, that Jesus is who he said he is. Um, last week, I shared with our church that if we look at all of the Gospels, when, especially the Gospel of, Mark, of Luke, when, when Luke begins, he says, many have endeavored to give an account of this life of Jesus, and I'm going to be one of them as well. So many people gave first-hand accounts of who Jesus is. So even if our culture says this is just fairy tales or some other thing that we shouldn't actually believe, our faith is something that is evidence but also is experienced. And I want to encourage you and I that we would exercise our faith and that we would share the experience of our faith with others. It's not enough that it just stays with us. But that Jesus says this, they bring him to be healed, but Jesus' response is that your sins were forgiven. Wait a minute. This, is, this must have, I, I'm pretty sure if it was me, maybe not you, but if it was me, I would be like, listen Jesus, I just want to remind you. Sorry, he can't walk. Sins are cool, but he can't walk. I just want to remind you that this is the real problem. But Jesus actually speaks to what is truly the problem. Jesus addresses the real needs in our lives. And so when we bring people to Jesus, our expectations sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced it, but I look at somebody's life and I think, Lord, if you could sort this issue out and if you could help them with this, this is going to be really great. But then when they need Jesus, it's as if God comes in and He deals with a whole bunch of other things that we never saw. And even in our own lives, we can come to Jesus with our shopping list of my needs, Lord, and I please provide this for me and help me in this area and heal this particular disease or, or challenge that I'm experiencing. I think God speaks into the deeper realities. That's the double blessing that we get. Jesus does heal us, but He also, more importantly, forgives us. And today I'm trusting that you and I would grow in our ability to receive God's forgiveness, but also to extend that to others. Jesus always addresses our more, more inner needs and, and He removes some of the barriers of judgment and, and fear that you and I would experience. Because Jesus' mission was not just to heal. was not just to be a good teacher. And that's why the crowds had gathered. That's even why the, the religious leaders had sort of followed to check out what, because in their minds, to see what's the next thing he's going to do. You know, have you ever been around somebody like that? Shut up, just following them just to see what's going to happen. What's going to happen next? But actually, Jesus comes, his real mission was to reveal the Father, to open a way that you and I would have a relationship with God. And he also understood that the reason why he could say that your sins are forgiven was actually because he knew how much it would cost for forgiveness to be truly happy. To be given access to that forgiveness. He would have to die on the cross. He would have to shed his blood. And we're about to share in communion in a few minutes. Which is a reminder of what Christ has done for us, friends. And when you and I live from that place, the reality that God takes care of our inner, deeper needs first. And then even if I'm struggling in my health and things are not working out the way I want to. The fact that you and I have received forgiveness is worth more than some of those external things. And we can sometimes be like the religious leaders and even the Christ. Is that all we are looking from Jesus is my next blessing. 
my next breakthrough, my next Dora, I'm praying and asking you, Lord Jesus, he's my, what is my cosmic genie? And I'm going to just rub him the right way. And then, it's all going to be sorted. And sometimes we can even compare ourselves with others and we look at their walk with God and what, the way God answers their prayers and we feel like we're second rate because God doesn't answer the prayers and our needs and the desires that we have. But I, I know that God wants us to live lives that are free from the sin and guilt that we've experienced first. And as an outflow of that, we would experience His life. And now, I don't know what sin you and I are carrying today. Perhaps that you're struggling, that needs forgiveness. I don't know what barriers, perhaps it's an addiction that you're struggling to get over. Perhaps it's a relational back, breakdown that you are a person that really has hurt you and you are, every single, single time you think about them, you are, you just feel like you're being removed from God's presence even. Maybe there are some realities in your health that you trust in God to heal. Whatever that may be, what, what am I, you and I supposed to do? How do we respond to these things? I think the first thing we need to do is we need to reach into the proverbial marshmallow packet and take hold of the double blessing that God has for us. He wants us to push in. He wants us to access. And He has made that available to us freely through the gift of His cross. But you and I need to daily access the forgiveness that God has made available to us. Daily access it. Now how do we do that? I mean, a lot of what I'm going to share with you, many of us are going to go, yes, Gareth, I know that. And I can tell you, as I was preparing, I was like, yeah, I know this, Lord, I know this. But I don't always live it. I don't live from this place. I'm trusting as I share these four points with you that that you'd be able to embrace it and build it into your life. The first one is obviously receiving God's forgiveness by faith. It is a faith reaction. It is something that happens because I believe that Jesus shed His blood for the forgiveness of my sins. And therefore I have been made right. I have been right standing with God because of my faith in Him. And if you haven't placed your faith in Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that I want us to understand that that's the starting point. It is faith in who Jesus is, the Son of God, who laid down His life for you and I. The second thing is that we receive forgiveness by forgiving those who have sinned against us. Oh, Garrett, now you're touching a nerve here. But Jesus said in Matthew, when He, when he taught us on how to pray, the Our Father, there's a section that says that forgive us our debts as we forgive those who have, uh, uh, you know, our debtors. For if we forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, friends, you and I can express or experience and receive God's unconditional forgiveness and His love at any point. But if we are unwilling to share that forgiveness with others, how have we actually received forgiveness? How can I receive something that I'm not willing to give? Freely we receive, freely we give. And I was reminded of this story, I mean, we've, we've touched on that earlier this year in Luke chapter 7, with the woman who came in with, with the alabaster jar of perfume and pouring it out. And Jesus turns to the, to the crowd and says to them, you know, there was this man who had a great debt that was owed. And the master was willing to 
forgive the debt. But he left and then had a smaller debt owed to him and he would not forgive it. And when the master found out that he was not willing to forgive, he put him in prison so that he would repay. And if says, we want to live truly free, we need to be willing to embrace that. And, and I, I, I can tell you it's not easy. I've had to forgive people many, many times over. Write their names down. For Jesus, please help me to forgive. Help me set this person free because I want to be free. I no longer want to be held back and, and bogged down by the guilt and the frustration and the pain of these things. And I, I know I could probably go into a, a long sermon on just how do we do that more effectively, but I want you and I to trust Jesus because if Jesus is willing and able to forgive us, if you and I have to look at our list of wrongdoings and how we disappoint, disobey, and hurt God on a daily basis, surely then we should be willing and able to look to, to God and ask Him for forgiveness as well. The third thing is that you and I, the way we forgive or, or access forgiveness as well is that we forgive up or we, we confess our sins to one another. It was amazing for me to see here in James that again, both these realities happen. Healing and forgiveness are mentioned in the same passage. Again, the double blessing happens. And after the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the one and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Friends, this is an important reality. So many of us want to be free. And we come to God daily even sometimes without listening. Sorry Lord, I did it again. But actually the real breakthrough, the real healing would actually only happen when you and I are willing to share that with somebody else and say, please pray with me. I need to confess this is my thought patterns. This is my actions. These are the things I keep doing and keep saying and I no longer want to live. And what happens, as I've experienced and as I'm sure many of us have experienced, the minute I do that, it's as if the power of that sin is broken over my life. The power of sin lies in the secrecy thereof. And I want to encourage us as a, as a body of believers that gather together that we would be willing to embrace that, to exercise that, to live in a place where we are willing to share that with others. And you know, friends, you might think, as the enemy tells us this all the time, someone's going to go, no, I can't believe it. And as a pastor, I've had people share some really horrific things with me. And every single time, someone has had the boldness, the courage, the humility to share something of their struggle, every single time. I was overwhelmed with God's love and compassion for that person. Because I can't judge them. So I have my own struggles. And I have my own things that I'm struggling with. And even though some of the things in the big scheme of things that I may have committed it's not, doesn't seem as bad, it's also causes death and separation between us and God. And so never ever let the lie that says someone's going to judge you and someone is going to condemn you. Because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You and I can come to God's throne room 
with confidence, which is the fourth one, that we and I daily enter God's throne room to obtain mercy and to find grace. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. We can with confidence draw near. I want you to see this reality around mercy and grace. When you and I come into God's presence, we obtain mercy. What does mercy do? Mercy forgives us for the sin that we cannot pay for. Jesus paid for it. God is merciful and releases us from that. So you and I can with confidence into his, into his presence. But then we obtain grace. Wait a minute. So I receive mercy, but I obtain grace. I, I receive God's forgiveness for my sin, but then I receive and I obtain grace. Grace is that empowering aspect in my life. God's empowering grace in my life that allows me and helps me to no longer sin. It is like scaffolding that straightens me up almost. Helps me to build upon what God is wanting to establish in my life. And so when we come into God's presence, we can be set free from our sin. But then we are empowered by Him to no longer continue to sin. As we lean into Him. And I really want us to encourage you to, to live from that place. Just as we look at the last little part of this passage. Jesus turns to these Pharisees and, and he perceives in his spirit what they're thinking, which shows to us that Jesus was not just a man, he was truly God, he could read people's minds, but even his response isn't with condemnation. He doesn't sneer at them and say, oh, I can't believe it. He actually points so that they can again see the heart of the Father. And he says to them, What is easier, to heal your sins, or to forgive your sins, or to heal your disease? For so many people, the reason why these religious leaders were so indignant was because if you had illness in your life, if you were paralyzed, the question people often asked was, well, you must have sinned at some point, and if it was from birth, your parents must have sinned, so you carrying the sins of what you've done. And this illness you're experiencing is God's just reward for the things you've done wrong. But Jesus speaks into this and says, no, no, no. I can set you free from the sins that cripple you. And I can set you free from the physical ailments that cripple you. Both realities are at work for us. And so Jesus says to this man, and I think he says to all of us today, to take up your bed and walk. No longer walking after the pattern of this world. No longer living as people who are condemned or bogged down or held back by our sins and even our unforgiveness. But actually saying, Lord, I want to walk with confidence with you, looking to you and bringing glory to you. These people were amazed. And their first response was that they glorified God. When you and I are bringing people into Jesus' presence and we allow them to encounter Him, to have their sins forgiven and their lives transformed and healed, what can people do but glorify God? And I'm trusting that as we gather together in our homes, temple courts, and wherever we may go, in your workplace, your family, that you and I would so be willing and eager to bring people into the presence of Jesus. That we would see God transform their hearts and minds. And bring glory to God. That when people look at us, they don't say, look, this, look at these people. They're really, they're really nice people. 
They're beautiful people. They're really caring and loving people. No, these are people that carry the presence of God. These are people that love people enough to break down whatever barriers they need they may be in order to bring people to Jesus. And so I want to ask you, if you're far from God today, my encouragement to you is that you would accept this free gift that Jesus offers. And that you wouldn't allow another day, another moment to go by where you miss out on this opportunity to follow Jesus. To be healed and forgiven at the same time. But then for those of us that have been walking with God, I'm trusting that we would grow in forgiveness. Grow in accessing God's forgiveness on a daily basis for ourselves, but also extending that forgiveness to others as we lead people and draw them into God's presence when we pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are God. And just Lord, as these, all of our heads are bowed, Lord, I want to pray, Lord, for those of us perhaps today that are feeling far from you, Lord. We have not truly yielded ourselves in humility to you. I pray, Father, that if that's you today, I want to just pray for you. But I want to pray for these beautiful people that you love and that you are drawing near into your presence, into your kingdom, as they're hearing your word, Lord, and saying, I want to become a follower of Jesus. Lord, I pray for them today, Lord. I pray that they would be filled with your spirit right now, That they would become as a new man, a new person. As you, Holy Spirit, set them free right now from all guilt and shame and condemnation. Lord, I pray that you'd save them and that they would know from this day forward they are no longer living for themselves, but they now make you the Lord and Savior of their lives. If that's you today, I want to encourage you to not leave today without coming to the front after the celebration and just sharing with one of our leaders that that's a decision you've made because we want to lead you, we want to make you part of a group of people that are going to bring others into God's kingdom. Lord, I want to pray for those of us that have been following you for many years. For some, when I spoke about forgiving others, there were some names and instances and situations that were coming to mind. And we felt this rising within us saying, I could not forgive, I cannot. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would grant us the grace to forgive, Lord, as we see the great price you paid for us, Lord. And we begin to extend that forgiveness to others as well. I thank you for freedom and liberty right now. And Lord, I pray for us as a community, Lord, that we would be intentional in how we are leading others to you, Jesus. Allowing you, Father, to use us to open the way for people to come to know Jesus. Encounter him to be healed and forgiven. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times, or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.